Welcome to Connect the Dots podcast, presented by Nine Dots and hosted by Jeffrey Klein. We explore stories of success and their multitude of dots that are connected along the way. Sharing these stories, our aim is to provide some context to the path of success, which is often paved with obstacles, challenges, victories, and celebrations. Thank you for listening. Here is your host, Jeffrey. I'm excited to have a real life inventor, Aaron Muterick, also known as Crazy Aaron, the inventor of Crazy Aaron's Thinking Putty. We chat about everything from digital versus analog toys to the wonderful world of cave expeditions. This is truly a thinking person's episode, so make sure you break out your thinking putty. Thanks for listening and enjoy. My guest today is Aaron Muterick, owner of Crazy Aaron Enterprises, the maker of Crazy Aaron's Thinking Putty. Aaron has a BS in computer science from the University of Rochester. And Crazy Aaron's Thinking Putty, if you haven't heard of it, you should check it out. And if you haven't heard of it, you must be living under a rock, is now available in more than 30 countries around the world and comes in over 30 colors, such as lustrous bronze, hot pink, lapis, lava, ion, bubblegum, and oil slick. The putty, which is sold in tins or one pound bag, includes glow in the dark and super magnetic, which actually can be magnetized. There are even varieties that are heat sensitive called hypercolors that change color in your hand. Crazy Aaron employs a labor force of over 500 people made up of individuals with intellectual and physical disabilities that help manufacture and ship Crazy Aaron's thinking putty. In addition, Aaron serves as a treasurer for the global exploration of educators organization, a nonprofit organization that helps and encourages educators to travel abroad. Aaron is involved in his community, serving as the Narberth Borough's Council President and is an active volunteer firefighter for the Narberth Fire Company. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Is there anything you wanted to add to that? or I'm gonna... No, that's, that's quite a, um, quite a done, summary. Yeah, you've done a lot. <laughs> Must be all that lack of sleep. <laughs> well, let's, I like to start at the beginning. So where were you born and what did your parents do for a living? Oh, well, I grew up in Havertown. That's where I was born. And um, my father was in a video, commercial video. Um, he worked for a number of companies doing training videos and things like that. And in the end of his career, he uh, he was working for the local stations, uh, Channel 10 and Channel 3, etc. cetera. Uh, my mother um, had a brief, brief career as a teacher. Um, and then she uh, started working in an office. She does shipping and logistics for international customs shipments. Does she help with Crazy Aaron then, with logistics and shipping? From time from time to time in the early days, uh, she definitely helped me to interpret customs forms, <laughs> which are written in a language that's called English, Yes. <laughs> really all its own. Uh, as a kid, uh, did you have something that you wanted to be when you grew up? I mean, with your dad being a video, did you want to be an actor or a director? Or what did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh, the video, the video was not my path. I was very into computers. Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoyed computer programming, um, uh, which became an understanding of software engineering and my degree in computer science. Uh, I would say I had always wanted to be an inventor of some sort. And I thought computers was the way to do that. An inventor, which is clearly what you became. Was there a first lesson that you learned as a kid that sort of had an impact on how you approach life? Hmm, a lesson uh, that you need to push back against bullies. Ah, I 
like? Were you bullied? Is that? I was quite a bit as a child. Yes. And you, you learned to push back. Well, that's great. I was I was pretty pretty scrawny and geeky and uh, uh, you know uh, I, I attracted their attention. Well, I like to tell people. Uh, I often reference that you know in the end the geeks and the nerds won. So if there was a battle, we won. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. Uh, did you have a role model who you looked up to when you were growing up? Uh, it was definitely the kind of icons of the 1980s computer industry, specifically Steve Jobs, uh, for sure. He was number one. And can you think of, you know, a particular defining moment from your childhood years that kind of shaped your worldview? That's a hard one. I don't know that there was really a defining moment um, other than just knowing that I was most motivated in doing the thing I happened to be most interested in at the time. And that may not have been the thing that a teacher or a parent thought was the thing I should be doing at the time. And what was your first paying job? Um, I worked in a dog tag factory in Ardmore, PA, uh, where they made pet tags. Wow. And my job was to sit in the basement and to create displays that would go into the veterinarian's office so that when someone would come in, they would rip off a piece of paper, they would fill out the pet's name and their address, and they would send their money in an envelope, and uh, you know, a pet tag would arrive in the mail three weeks later. Did you enjoy that job? I learned a lot about business in that job. I learned a lot about starting at the bottom. I learned about operational efficiency. What I thought was, yeah, you know, you give me a stack of things and I'll get them done. Um, and then you hear from your supervisor that the expected rate is 10 times faster than you're moving. Uh, you know, you start to pay attention to all those little details, how you organize your workspace and um, how quickly you move your hands and how you can how you can actually achieve that and get it done. And you, so you got your degree in computer science. How did that shape your early career? You went into the computer world. You know, following the pet tag job, I had a number of computer jobs, programming, consulting, IT support uh, that paid very well. Honestly, they paid ludicrously well for someone who was a teenager. <laughs> and um, when I finally got to college, I had a lot more career experience than any of my classmates in terms of uh, working in the computer field. Um, so buckling down, doing the academic side was a little bit more of a challenge, but I did it. Um, I had a number of other internships in college doing computer work. So by the time I had finished, I, I sort of felt like I walked out with a degree and, and a career's worth of work accomplishments. Made it a little easier maybe to walk away a little a few years later. Is there someone you met along the way that sort of changed the course of your life? Yeah, you know, again, that's a hard one. I think I... I like to try and take something from everybody that I meet um, rather than maybe assigning it to one person. And I'll tell you, you know, if you were to ask me, what's your favorite movie? I, you know, I'd give you a list of 10. Well, uh, I, I, so that I'm, question's coming up later. So just I, I'm not, I'm that kind of guy, <laughs> but um, I really do find that each person's life experience has something that can inform us, open our eyes a little to the bigger picture of the world, maybe challenge your assumptions and, um, so a lot of my previous supervisors, work colleagues, I've taken something from each of them, but it's hard to find someone who, who really was kind of like a guiding mentor. And, and sort of when did you realize what you really wanted to do with your life? Well, I never did, and I, I still don't know <laughs> if this is it. I'm, 
<laughs> I am most interested in the thing I'm doing right now, and that could change from day to day. Um, Crazy Aaron's has given me an opportunity to follow those whims in a lot of ways. Um, we have a pretty simple philosophy here. Is it pretty? Is it fun to use? And if the answer to both is yes, it's something that we should be doing. Um, I have other things I would like to accomplish one day uh, outside of the toy industry. And hopefully, uh, being young enough, I'll have the opportunity to do that. So you didn't have an intention to go into the toy industry when at any point in college no. or that sort of just happened? No, even, even after doing uh, Thinking Putty for almost 10 years, I had a strong desire to not be in the toy industry, that this was a product for adults to help them sit at their desk and do better work. And we were drawn into the toy business kicking and screaming. Mm. What's the most surprising place you found yourself, whether it's a job, a location, or engaging with someone? The most surprising place I found myself? There are, now, those are some moments. I would say... Um, Responding to a fire call where the Pope was sleeping um, after months of training and being told that despite all the training, uh, the odds of actually being called into service uh, while the Pope was present were, you know, close to zero. And then it actually happened. And um, watching the Swiss Guard run around to protect him and while well, we're dragging in hose and trying to put out a fire and trying not to do anything stupid to embarrass ourselves under such a watchful eye. Yeah, that could be a challenge. Yeah. Uh, so you've done, you know, you worked in, in the computer field and then you went into the toy game, as it were. Is there a point at, at this point, you could, you know, you're in 30 different countries. Do you f consider yourself a success? Yes. I've come to accept in the past 12 months that this idea has been a success. <laughs> and what do you think is next for kind of the toy industry? I mean, obviously one of the things about Thinking Putty is it's, you know, tangible and not in the computer world, you know, very non-digital. Um, do you think that things like this are going to, they're going to grow or do you think, you know, the computer digital world is going to take over? How, how do you see that sort of trending in the future? Yeah, uh, actually, I, I see a um, furthering a trend in our society where the, I think the Internet has given everyone an opportunity to, rather than settling on kind of the least common denominator or whatever they can get from the store down the street, they're able to seek out and find exactly what they want. And I think that that leads people actually to kind of a deepening division and less less overlap uh, in terms of a common experience. Um, but I see it going in two ways. One is technology-free. That is toys that are tactile, they're hands-on, they're imaginative, that really have nothing to do with technology. And I, I see on the other end toys that are taking advantage of the highest technology to create artificial worlds, um, to allow designers to turn their imaginations almost into reality. And I see the toys that are in the middle disappearing mm. uh, as, as you have more and more of a gulf between those two worlds. What are, what are your thoughts on connected toys? So real toys that are then connected to the digital world. Personally, I think that, that that Gulf attacks those connected toys pretty heavily. I think that if people want something without technology, that's what they want. If they something want something with technology, I think they're going to be deeper and deeper into the screen or the you know uh, eyeglasses that right. beam directly onto your retina or something like that. <laughs> but but in terms of kind of like you know a toy that happens to connect to the internet. Um, 
I don't know. And I think that's both parents and children that, you know, they would rather the purest experience of one or the other. And maybe at different times they're looking for both, but maybe not uh, the hybrid of the two. That's my personal sense. Okay. And what's next? For, you know, you said you keep you, this has worked out, and but you always have other ideas. Uh, what's next for Aaron? Oh, what's next for Aaron? Uh, well, I would like to do some more cave exploration. That's been a hobby of mine for a long time, something I haven't been doing as much of since uh, I had children and started running a business with employees who demanded my presence, you know, to keep things moving. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool expeditions and explorations happening in the cave world, uh, and that's because it's really one of the, the last unknown frontiers. You can look out in space, you can see what's there. Um, as human beings, we're not getting there anytime soon. Although, you know, more power to Elon Musk. And, Would you want to go uh, to space if you had the opportunity? Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know that I'm cut out for it. I, you know, I've done loop-de-loops in the air. It's not my favorite thing. Yeah, I'm not a roller coaster. I just guy. don't know that physically I'm, I'm, I'm meant for that. But uh, under the earth is an opportunity for just someone to go walking in the woods and find a hole and underneath it um, a whole world that no one's ever discovered. And that's a very rare thing these days, And you know, with satellite mapping and uh, people crawling all over this planet, even under the sea. Caves are caves are an opportunity that are very accessible without a lot of special training. Yeah, well, I, I, what do you think of caverns? Because I've been to Laurel Caverns as a kid and thought they were amazing. And then I went yeah. in a cave when I was in New Zealand and saw glowworms, which blew me away. Mm -hmm. It was... Uh, do you think there's a difference between ones that have become sort of, you know, made for people to come and see versus exploring on your own? In the cave community, I think there's a consensus that you, you want to have show caves. That's what they call them, show right. caves, uh, because you want you need outreach to the public. Um, and those are the environments that may have something unique or different, but they're not particularly sensitive to large numbers of visitors. Um, or there, there's one that for historic reasons has always been and is sacrificial. You know, you're, you're, you're giving that one up. Um, you know, it is a very unique environment and it's low nutrient input. There's no light. Even just having kind of people coming through on a regular basis and just steaming off the humidity off their bodies can have a major impact in the ecology of a cave. So there are some that um, only visitors go in. There are some that what you call sports cavers can go into. Um, and then there are others that are really kind of scientific expedition only you try to keep them as as pristine as possible interesting uh, this may lead to what you an answer here but if you didn't have a career that went the path that you went save for the things that happened what career do you think you would have ended up in I, I think i probably would have stayed in computers um and whether i would have been happy or not i guess that that depends on what idea i had ended up pursuing um i don't I don't think I would have just jumped into the outdoors. It didn't pay. It doesn't pay very well. Uh, if you could go back in time and change one decision you made, what would it be? Hmm. I would have gone on more camping trips as a Boy Scout. <laughs> my nephew just started the Boy Scouts. My brother uh, is embracing it. Let's, let's put it that way. It's yeah, like, there you go. Yeah, I think that's what I would have. At the time, I didn't have an appreciation for the outdoors. I didn't come from a family that enjoyed the outdoors, and um, so it was a, it was. I hadn't broken through that barrier. I have since done so, and I, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot as a as a careless youth. Uh, 
do you think, and just going back to the earlier conversation about the difference, in, you know, the trends in toys, you know, my feeling is always I don't mind so much if my children are on devices as long as they're spending at least equal, if not more time outside playing and things. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think, what do you think as parents and as a society we can do to encourage people to not be on the screens as much? Because it's something that concerns me a lot. Uh, I'm curious your perspective. Oh, well, I, I definitely have an opinion here. Uh, I, I do not set screen time limits for my children. Um, I believe that by setting those limits, you are sending a message that that thing is innately more desirable. And, you know, people want to do, people don't want to be told what to do, children especially so. Um, and I also think that it's balanced with what are those other options for children? I mean, I'm very lucky to live in a walkable community with a vibrant outdoor children's scene. Mm -hmm. That is when my kids walk out the door, there's other kids already playing outside. They have a safe space that they can roam around in and have a children adventures. Um, that's not the case everywhere. So I guess if you want your children to spend less time on the screen and more time experiencing the world, you need to live in a place that, that fosters that kind of environment. Mm, or take you know, there, are, there are neighborhoods in America where an eight-year-old walking down the block alone immediately results in a call to the police. And uh, there are other environments where that kid can walk down the street to the corner store and experience interacting with adults and buying something and walking back home and seeing a dead bird on the side of the road and maybe wondering what's that all about. Yeah, I feel I like when I, was a kid, when I was a kid, I grew up in a neighborhood that we could just like go out and we, you know, especially in the summers, you'd leave. And when it got dark, you came home. And I feel right. like however available that was in any neighborhood, it's, mm -hmm. gotten, it's gotten harder to do that. Know, less it has in general. It's not. Uh, well, I don't know about less safe. Um, we're living in the the safest time ever in this country, by by large margins, according to statistics and crime data. And my experience on borough council has taught me um, the ways. So, for example, as a software engineer, you make very conscious choices to design a piece of software, user experience designs the way someone's going to move through it, the choices that are going to be made. But as a computer person, you might not realize that the built environment, the environment you live in of homes and streets and sidewalk widths and sight lines and turning radiuses and speed limits, those are all things that were designed too. They used to be an imagination in someone's head too. Mm. Uh, that built environment is the fish tank that we swim in. And many designers over the past 40 or 50 years made choices that weren't centered around the experience of your children or um, a human walkable experience, they were centered around the automobile. And if you live in that neighborhood that's been built that way, probably the only way to change it is to move somewhere else. Uh, do you consider yourself an inventor? Is that, you know, that you've, you've... Uh, I, I don't, you know, look, I haven't invented a pump that uh, cures heart failure. I haven't invented a drug that, um, you know, saves lives. I, I think the putty makes people happy. I think it helps them with anxiety. I would say yes, I'm an inventor, but we'll we'll call it inventor light. I want to respect <laughs> people whose, whose skills and insights really, really flash. Well, I was going to ask, as someone who's a tinkerer, then we'll call maybe maybe is a, a good way of uh, putting it. Uh, if they have people who are aspiring to invent to, to go in that field of invention, you know, what 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 advice could you give that they could go and do something today that might help foster that? I always tell children that they should have an inventor's notebook, and they should they should write down all of their ideas. That is fragments, that is uh, 
things that inspire them, that is uh, drawings of ideas of things that they could make or build, I always suggest that you should never discount an idea because it seems completely impossible. First you get your impossible idea and then you find a way to make it fit into reality. Um, and by writing it down and giving yourself that perspective, you know, the gift of writing is one that you can go back as a kid, look back three years uh, when you're a very different person now, your mind has developed, your life experience has changed. You can look at that idea with fresh eyes and maybe it has now become ready to become a reality. Do, do you, I assume you keep one? I do. I do. Uh, I make sure I write down all of my ideas, fragments, threads, you know, sample chapters of future books, <laughs> all of those things, because uh, many of them will go nowhere, but they are a resource in into uh, into future development, for so, sure. For some reason, it reminds me of uh, the third Indiana Jones book in the notebook that that Indiana Jones' dad had. You know, for all those mm -hmm. different ideas when he was looking for the ground. I think it. Yeah, I think I think having a, something to refer to, but also just to get it out of your head and on the paper is powerful. It is. It is. It lets your brain move on to more important things because you've cleared it out. You've made a record of it. And also, I think looking back, allow you to see maybe at the time you felt like you were really operating at the edge. Um, but looking back to see maybe how limited or uh, some of the challenges you had in your thinking process in developing an idea. And you can learn from that for future ideas and developing them and making them become reality. Uh, okay, now we're going to move on to the nine rapid-fire questions, although I found these aren't as rapid always, okay. but some of them are. So, sure. Uh, is it better to be a planner or a doer? It's better to be a doer. Are you a risk-taker or more risk-averse? Taker. Is it better to Fortune, be... Fortune favors the foolish. Say, say that again. I... Fortune favors the foolish. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, is it better to make connections online or offline? Offline. No big surprise there. No. What's, what's more important, the journey or the destination? The journey. Name something on your bucket list. Something on my bucket list. I would like to go to Antarctica. Are there caves there or just an expedition in general? There are lots of ice caves there, including including some formed by hot volcanic gases from under the earth. So they start from the bottom up. Wow, that sounds cool. It's cool. What one book would you recommend to help people be more successful? A book to be more successful. Huh. To be, you mean more successful like in life and business? Yeah either um okay i would go with the and, and this is not the greatest book i've ever read but i took some good nuggets from it uh barbara walters how to talk to practically anybody about practically anything maybe i should have read that before i started my podcast <laughs> <laughs> um and i'll throw you another one which is uh, how to be rich by j paul getty hint it's not about money <laughs> name one of your favorite movies you said you'd last name one of them Fargo. What would the title of your autobiography be? <laughs> the title of my autobiography, I will never write an autobiography. Uh, so how about this book is not here? 
Now, this is uh, my, I ask this to all my guests, and it's an interesting one to ask you. So yeah. if you could be credited with inventing something other than Thinking Putty, what would it be and why? Oh, you know, the world's first time machine. <laughs> and, uh, and where I don't would you go in your time why. machine? Where would I go? Yeah, back or forwards? Uh, to the future. To the future. Excellent. Aaron, thank you so much for sharing all that. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to share anything that you want to promote or share with the audience uh, that you're either excited about or, or something about Thinking Putty that um, you're, you're excited about. Well, what I'm excited about in this very moment is uh, our company's upcoming move to Norristown, which has been a distressed community for a long time. And we were able to find a space right in the center of town on Main Street where we're going to bring lots of um, uh, fair wage jobs with great benefits and um, kind of build a, a new world headquarters where all of our manufacturing and office operations can be in one place and we can engage with our community rather than being uh, a factory in an office park far, far away. That's what I'm working on right now. That's very cool. What, uh, how do people find either you or Crazy Aaron online? you have social media that you're... Um, I am not on social media, although our company, Crazy Aaron's Putty World is. Uh, so hashtag thinking putty will lead you in good direction. Uh, at crazy Aaron's, I think is our Twitter handle. We'll make and, sure we get the right ones, put them in the show notes. Yeah. But if you're, and if you're interested, you can just Google my name. Uh, there's all kinds of things out there. <laughs> well, Aaron, I really appreciate your time and, and sharing kind of your story with us and thank you for helping us connect the dots. Hey there, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for giving me your attention. I appreciate your time. And if you made it this far to this outro, that means you may have listened to the whole podcast, which is awesome. My hope is you got some value, some little nugget out of this piece of edutainment. If so, I'd be very grateful if you would subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a glowing review, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. You can visit our website, 9 Podcasts, for all the details. 